Warning. While Stephanie Meyer may have written Twilight for children and young adults, Twilight, a literary podcast, contains adult content. If that kind of stuff isn't your speed, feel free to stop here. Everyone else, please sit back and enjoy our explicit podcast. Welcome to Twilight, a literary deep dive into the blood-sucking skin sparkling in the world of Twilight. From a lifelong fan. And a first-time reader. Join us as we answer the question, Does, Does it suck? You're Got a little uh, special surprise up top here today. Oh yeah, what is that? That um, well, I just want to share with you. We got our first sponsor. We do. Uh, so, um, I, I just you know I'm new at this, but here you know just do our little ad read. So this episode is uh, brought to you by uh, Merck Chemicals and their new drug Ivermectin. <laughs> Ivermectin. If it's good enough for Mister Ed, it's good enough to make you dead. That Ivermectin is a joke that went over. A lot of people's heads. Ivermectin. But I liked Sponsored it. Sponsored this episode. It didn't go over my head, though. Thank you. <laughs> so we're uh, rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had prepared. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Jess. That's Spencer. And I'm Spencer, brought to you by Ivermectin. Okay. Um, we're back again this week. We're not again this week, but we're back again. We're back again. Comma. This, this week. week. <laughs> well, this is a special episode, though, because it, we're going to be releasing it on the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah. Go us. We've been at it for a year. Maybe wow. not consecutively, but wow. for the most part. What a year it's been. What a year. Over the last year, I think everything's gone great for pretty much everyone. Yeah, it was an excellent year all around. I can't think of anything negative that's happened. It was all positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just great. It's just great. Thank you all. For all the money. Thank you. And for also other things, I'm sure I'll think of later. Yeah. But mostly yeah. the money. So let's go ahead and get let's into get this into episode, it. right? Yeah. Okay. You want me to start? Yeah, you're mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because that's how we've done it every time. Yes. A year in, and we're still not good. Ain't that funny. Chapter 21, First Hunt. Bella prepares for her first hunt as a vampire, but since remedial test score is downstairs with Jacob, she will have to go out through the window. Edward assures her that she was safe with Jacob, that the baby would be safe with Jacob, though he won't explain what makes him so confident. Bella closely watches Edward's movements as he crouches in the window frame and gracefully leaps to the ground. When it was her turn, Bella found the jump surprisingly effortless. Edward then takes her hand and leads them to the edge of a nearby river. Edward clears the river with easy leap, but Bella's newborn strength accidentally sends her flying a good 15 feet farther than she needed. Yikes. Unfortunately, the leap required her tearing the seam of her dress, tearing the seam of the dress Alice had put her in, and distant laughter coming from the house told her that she'd be paying for that move. Sometime in the future. <laughs> I love that bit. I love anything having to do with Emmett. 
and he's just mentioned there. Yeah. And, like, that's my favorite part. Yeah. I, that's all you need. <laughs> Edward breaks into a run, challenging Bella to try and keep up. But while he was able to move his legs faster, Bella's newborn strength allowed her to quickly push past him. Despite her incredible speed, Bella could plainly see every leaf on every tree and shrub she passed. The forest felt bright, vibrant. Um, <laughs> the forest felt vibrant and alive in a way she couldn't have fathomed as a human. Bella felt as if she could run forever. Fortunately, Edward stopped her while they were still in the same country. Edward instructs her to close her eyes and focus on the scents and sounds of the forest. In the distance, she picks up on a small group of elk drinking from a stream. <laughs> Is that the noise they make? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, pl- I plugged in real elk sounds for, <laughs> for anyone wondering. Uh, Edward, <laughs> sorry, because elk do make weird ass noises. Do they? I have when no they're clue. They're like loud and like, <laughs> yeah, honky almost. <laughs> I just think of like a screaming deer. It's similar to an elk. What does a screaming deer sound like? I know a screaming goat sounds like Taylor Swift. This is an elk. (laughs) That's the Nazgul. (laughs) Those are Nazgul. That's an elk. Right, because they were, it was showing ring rates on there. Yeah, this is a National Geographic video, and it said, "Wait, don't run." It's showing the the picture of uh, what's her name, uh, Eowyn. Eowyn. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Liv Tyler. Yeah, same diff. It said the ring rate sound in the Lord of the Rings is fictional, but there's an animal in nature that sounds terrifyingly similar. Fortunately. Oh, no, that was That bit late. was over. Yeah. Um, in the distance, she picks up on a small group of elk drinking from a stream. Oh, we already did that. Edward, <laughs> Edward tells her to relax and allow her instincts to take over. Bella's first hunt was about to begin. Oh, boy. I bet it's going to go great. <laughs> she tracks the small herd to the edge of the stream and crouches down in anticipation. But just as she's about to pounce... The wind changes, and a new scent catches her senses. Without thinking, Bella bodies, Bella's body bounds in the opposite direction, racing after a sweet new fragrance. What could it be? What could it be? This new aroma was so intoxicating, she didn't even question going after it. All that existed now was the burning in her throat, and she needed to quench it. The only thing capable of breaking her focus now was an instinct even more powerful than thirst. Fear. She was suddenly aware that she was being followed by being followed and her body instinctively moved to defend herself and her new prey. But just as she turned to attack her pursuer, the wind shifted once again, temporarily freeing her from the alluring scent. A few feet away, Edward stood with his arms out, ready to restrain her. Man, this wind is very inconvenient. <laughs> but then also very convenient. Yeah, no, it's true. Bella realizes that she was just about to attack him and that the scent she'd been after was unmistakably human. Human. <laughs> Bella tells him that she has to get away and sprints off while holding her breath. Bella stops a minute later with Edward close behind and he stares at her in disbelief and asks, 
How was she able to stop herself from hunting? I held my breath. <laughs> Bella flatly replies. Uh, I guess that wasn't flat. That was more of a, fl- gal- a valley girl. <laughs> I held my breath. <laughs> you know how Bella is. <laughs> <laughs> Very flat in yeah. that way. <laughs> she tries to apologize for what she did, but Edward quickly assures her that he was the one at fault. He should have checked ahead for hikers. What she did was only natural. What wasn't natural was the way that she was able to stop herself. A vampire as young as her shouldn't have that kind of self-control. Edward can't help but laugh. Even as a vampire, Bella acted decades beyond her age. I don't know if that's supposed to be an intended connection or reasoning behind her powers, but that's something I picked up. That she's Everyone always said she acted like an adult when she was a teenager. Right. But as a vampire, she's also acting well beyond her years. Right. So... Yeah, it could be one of those like supernatural extensions. Well, of... yeah, the vampirism it just enhances your personality. That's already there. You exactly. Don't change it. Yeah. They try hunting again. This time, tracking down something a bit tastier than elk—a mountain goat. Sorry, I mean a mountain lion. Distracted by its own hunt, Bella easily pounces on and subdues the predator. Her teeth quickly found its throat and cut through its flesh like so much butter. The flavor was wrong, but the hot liquid somewhat soothed the ragged burning in her throat. Though she was naturally unharmed, the beast did manage to do quite a bit of damage to her dress, which now hung on her body in loose rags. I kind of imagine it looking like Jane from Tarzan. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Into it. I'm into all of that. (laughs) Edward tells her that she did great for her first hunt, though it was a bit hard for him to watch her do it. Which I I also really like that moment when he's like... It's kind of hard to like watch you fucking kill a mountain lion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was hot, but it was also kind of like, damn, she ain't, she ain't, she ain't a human no more. She ain't fucking around. Bella is still thirsty, so the two track down a pack of mule deer. That's fun. I don't know why they're called mule deer. I looked it up. They're just a different. That's just what oh, they, they know. I remember now. They eat. have big ears. They have ears Aww. that look like uh, mules. I love. Them. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That's I like cute. them. They're cute. They're extinct now because of them. Watching him hunt, Bella was amazed by how clean and effortless Edward made the hunt look. The two kiss, and Bella thinks that even if she didn't have a special power like Jasper or Alice, she could love Edward more than anyone in the history of the world. That would be her power, which is fucking lame. I hate it. (laughs) Bummer. Yeah. If I became a vampire, my power was loving the person I was already in love with really well i'd be disappointed uh, me too great i'd be like i was already doing that yeah like you mean? why I'm, I'm the best at loving the person i was already loving wow what Boring. a difference i was already doing that bitches now satisfied in more ways than one bella was ready to go back she was ready to see her daughter chapter 22 promised bella asks for details about removal service Edward explains that she is warm-blooded, slightly warmer than normal, um, and sleeps, but has impenetrable skin like a vampire. She also preferred blood over baby formula. But who doesn't? um, Despite Carlisle's best efforts, and was exceptionally intelligent. She still couldn't speak, but managed to communicate very well, though Edward doesn't explain how. That'd be too easy. Bella asks why Jacob was still around, but Edward promised he wouldn't tell her. 
Before they leave for the house, Edward gives Bella his shirt, since the loose collection of fabric hanging on her could no longer be considered clothing. They race back, and Bella pulls out a narrow victory with a last-second leap over the river. Upon landing, she is greeted with the unexpected thud of a heartbeat. Bella's eyes move frantically to find the source of the sound as Edward quickly arrives and clamps his hands down hard on top of her arms. Jacob stood in front of her at the edge of the Cullen Lawn. Uh, the Cullen Lawn. <clears throat> From the woods beside him, Bella could hear two larger hearts and the faint crunch of twigs and leaves under nervously pacing paws. Jacob was there to make sure it was safe for Bella to see the baby, offering himself up as a test dummy. Bella felt uh, sick and confused. Why was Jacob helping them protect her daughter? None of this made sense. But looking in his eyes, Bella still saw her old best friend. But what would he think of her now? Jacob's face then breaks into a grin. I gotta say it, Bells. You're a freak show. I don't know why I made him Southern. Yeah, I don't know why either. (laughs) I gotta say it, Bells. You're a freak show. (laughs) Bella grins back. That was the Jacob she knew. Oh, wow. How fun and flirty. I know. Jacob admits that that she still felt like Bella, even with the creepy eyes. And she was hot. Like, real hot. But he doesn't allude to that at all. But he, we know he's thinking it. No, he's not. He's in love with her daughter. Mm. He said, Mommy. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mother. <laughs> Jacob steps closer and Bella catches his scent for the first time. Again, this included a, a wind change <laughs> yes. that I was like starting to really get annoyed Listen, with. Listen, guys, the new character this week, it's the wind. It's the changing wind. <laughs> it's the wind from Pocahontas. <laughs> Yo, in this um, last book that I read, <laughs> this girl's in love with a fairy that can control the wind, uh-huh. and he uh, sends like the wind to her room to... like. <laughs> Eat her out <laughs> what the fuck? with the wind. <laughs> How? How? What are you Very reading? Carefully. <laughs> you keep you keep going like it's not smut, babe. It's fantasy. No, this is this smut. is the smut one. This, uh, is... this isn't the this one's the less smutty smut one, but it's smut fantasy. It's not fantasy with sex. <laughs> I need to start writing fantasy erotica because you know what I, I can do. I am confident I can do better than. <laughs> Sending the wind to, to Listen, perform cunnilingus. It was hot. Okay. She you sent it. hot wind? You sent hot air? <laughs> no. I guess it's better than cold. You wouldn't want to say cold. We wind. can cut all of that, but I thought you would enjoy No, that's that. staying in. Oh, no. I want people to know what you've been up to. This girl has read l- more books than me this year. <laughs> and it's all this kind of thing. No, it's not all that. It's mostly it's half this. that. It's mostly this. Wait till I tell him about the. Uh, Ice planet, blue barbarian aliens. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing Road to Pretension next week. <laughs> no, that, that's a, actually that one is like a 22 book series. What the I fuck? only read the first two 22? and I quit. Yeah. What? No. They're, they're quick reads, but there are 22. I just counted. Anyways. <laughs> I'm making you read Jane Eyre next. <laughs> I need I need you to get a palette closer. You're reading you, Jane I Eyre. Do, I need it. You're right. I do. <laughs> You're reading Jane Eyre, and then you're going to read a Toni Morrison novel. <laughs> then you can go back to what you've been doing. You're right. I need to do You need that. some better female voices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Bella's throat burned a bit, but not much more than it already was. Jacob didn't really smell that much more human than the mountain lion. There was this gamey, animalistic edge to his scent that instantly repulsed her. He must have been using Axe body spray. Hello. Hello. Sponsored by Ivermectin. (laughs) If anything, his scent made it easier to control himself, which, tough look for Jake. Here's an even tougher look. You stink, Jacob. <laughs> you Bella. stink, Jacob. <laughs> I hear that in and your sister. Uh, I hear that in Lynette's Lynette, voice. <laughs> who farted? Yeah. You stink, Jacob. Nettie doesn't talk like that, but that's how I hear it. <laughs> it stings just as hard. That's that's how it hits. <laughs> and she's here with us today. <laughs> I don't like these chat <laughs> You're making her sound like the, I know. the lumpy space princess. <laughs> yeah, I am. Oh, man. You stink, Jacob, Bella finally blurts out, sending Edward into a burst of laughter. Seth joined him with a low chortle. Chort, and- chort, 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 chort. <laughs> I, I had the giggles really bad right now. It's a chortle. Uh, and <laughs> where was I at? Oh, and in the distance, Bella could make out Emmett's distinctive guffaw. Guffaw! Look who's talking, Jacob replies with a grin. Bella's metaphorical heart swelled at the sight of Jacob's smile. Maybe they could all get along together after all. But now it was time for the real test. They all moved towards the house, with Jacob practically sprinting out ahead of them. Inside, the Cullens stood in a smiling line that was both welcoming and defensive. Rose stood, Rose stood several paces behind the rest of them, with Jacob close beside her. A small person sat in her arms, peering out around Jacob. Bella gasped. Ah! <sighs> the strange... <laughs> The stranger in Rose's arms had to be weeks, if not months, old. In just two days, her baby had nearly doubled in size. Like one of those little um, the little dinosaur pills that you put in the yeah, water and they yeah. turn into the giant dinosaur, or not, or like the larger dinosaurs. It's also like my coworker's son, who's, who's a giant child. He's like going to be taller than me in like two years. How old is he? Two. <laughs> Her chocolate brown eyes stared at Bella with an adult-like awareness. Bella wouldn't have believed it was the same child if not for the distinctly Edward features of her face. She could even see a bit of Daddy Swan in her thick curls, though they shared Edward's color. Hmm, that's cute. Bella takes a step forward and immediately the colons surround her as Rose and Jacob back up to the door. Only Alice remained in place. Alice then scolds the family for overreacting, and Bella confirms that she's perfectly in control. As intoxicating as her scent was, recency bias had far too much vampire mixed in for Bella to be tempted. To help alleviate everyone's fears, Edward tells the family about Bella's run-in with the hikers in the woods, and how she was able to stop herself mid-hunt. And he tells it in the most dickish way, where he he does does. these, like, well, I gotta tell you guys. He, He did the bit I did at the beginning, where I was like... We have a sponsor, and then it's a joke. He's like, well, we ran into some hikers, and Bella caught their scent. And everyone goes, <gasps> But then she was able to get over it, and right, it was yeah. fine. And I was like, oh, 
Well, that was annoying, Edward. Why'd you do that? He did let it go on for a bit, though. It's way too long. Kind of like this bit. <laughs> the family stood in stunned shock. Carlisle's eyes sparkled with intrigue, and Emmett laughed about Bella's near fight with Edward. But Jasper simply stared, dejected and disturbed. Wow. What's he, wrong with you, Jasper? He hasn't said Bashkars in like ten minutes. So he's like real angsty. He's like that 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 bulging bulging vein vein guy. Yeah. That's exactly what I pictured. Bella once That's again. That's exactly what I pictured. Bella once again moved towards her child, carefully considering her every move. Jacob cautiously held the child out for Bella, shuddering when their skin touched. Holding her in her arms, Bella felt everything finally click into place. This was her child, her baby. Of course she should hold her and love her. It was the most natural thing in the world. But then something very unnatural happened. Remembrance touched one of her little hands to Bella's face and a series of images flooded into her mind. Bella could see herself, bloody and twisted, smiling lovingly at her daughter for the first time. Rearview Mirror's memories were playing through Bella's mind as if they were her own. Then her hand dropped and the images vanished. Edward explains that this was rental insurance's way of communicating. In this case, she was showing Bella the only time they met to show that she was remembering her. To show that she remembered her. I hope no one thinks they're having a stroke from that paragraph. <laughs> I know. And they're like, rearview mirrors, memories. <laughs> <laughs> it was the oddest thing I've ever read. <laughs> I know. I just, I find it fun to make it like short sentences instead of just a name. It is cool. Real cool. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say that? This is really cool. <laughs> you're, so, you're so fucked up, and you you are not on anything. Get one shot. I'm on life, bro. <laughs> are you? Bella cooed over her child as Jasper and Jacob hovered around her protectively. Jacob suggested that they stop for the day, which only made Bella hold her baby tighter. But Jacob kept pushing closer, even as he became surrounded by vampires. Bella stared confusingly at Jacob's desperate, anxious face. What exactly happened while she was out? Why would he go through so much trouble to protect her daughter? And the way he looked at her baby, like a blind man seeing the sun for the first time. Oh my god, no! Bella gasped. Instantly, Edward's arms were wrapped around her chest, and Jacob had reading lamp out of her arms and into his. But Bella didn't fight it, because she felt the snap that they had all been waiting for bubbling up inside her. Jacob gives the baby to Rose, and Edward frees Bella from his grip. So I was wrong about Bella's reaction. You were very wrong. I and should, and I, should, I feel dumb now. I should have seen this coming. Uh, but, the, but Bella's been, been wanting this this whole time. I know. Uh, we'll see. Jacob has the same argument I do. Exactly. They're like, this is literally what you've been wanting. Bella leaned into her hunting crouch, hot, uh, and slowly stepped towards Jacob as he backed away. Pussy you, out. You stupid mutt. How could you? Bella shouts at him. Jacob was now backed all the way out to the door and down onto the lawn. He desperately tries to reason with her, reminding Bella that he had no choice in the matter, 
but it did little to quell her anger. Two huge wolves appear at Jacob's side. Leah snaps and growls at Bella, but Jake orders her to back off. Turning back to Bella, he reminds her what she said before, about them belonging in each other's lives. They could be family now, just like she wanted. You think you'll be a part of my family as a son-in-law? Jacob tells her it wasn't like that, adding that Edward wouldn't have let him live if it was. That's a good point. It is. If Jacob was attracted to the baby, Edward would immediately kill him. Yes. And he would know. So and he would, yeah, exactly. That does clear up a lot of that confusion. Yes. Um, Bella tells him to run away while he still can. But Jacob tells her that he simply can't. It's impossible. Then Jacob makes his biggest mistake yet. Come on, Bells. Nessie likes me too. Mm-mm. Bella snapped. You nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness monster? And then she lunged at his throat. I mean, it is a bit of an improvement. <laughs> Calling her Nessie. That's cute. Uh, Nessie's cute. After the Loch Ness monster? I hope that line's in the movie because that's funny. Well, that's I'm not going to tell you. Well, I know. Chapter 23. Memories all alone in the moonlight. Bella tries to apologize, but the words won't come out right. Or left. (laughs) Seth assures her that everything was okay. He didn't even mind her sitting next to him on the couch as Carlisle treated his wounds. Still, Bella felt enormously guilty. It was Jacob she was trying to take her anger out on, but Seth jumped in to protect him and ended up with a broken collarbone and shoulder. Um, can I just point out yeah. that you <laughs> texted me like Oh yeah. Um and you yeah. had a little note in the margin. Yeah. Um and what did it say? So it wasn't a prediction, like right. per se, but I was just like if Bella hurt Seth, like it was like the first I read the first sentence of this chapter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if Bella hurts Seth, I will never forgive her. And I sent that to you <laughs> uh-huh. just to establish that before I read anything else. And she did, and I don't forgive her. <laughs> Good to know. She's a dumb bitch. <laughs> and I hate her. <laughs> Carla finishes his treatment and leaves to go to his study. Seth rests his head back against the couch, and seconds later, he was fast asleep. Just like you, babe. What is like me? <laughs> Bella goes to look out the back window, where she can see Leah pacing back and forth along the river. She can hear Rosalie and Jacob fighting over whose turn it was to feed Resume. Well, at least their relationship was as antagonistic as ever. I love fun. to see it. This baby is going to have so many issues. <laughs> it's got a wolf daddy. It's got a vampire daddy. Two vamp moms. Wolf daddy... Like, wolf, sorry, I should say zaddy. Zanny. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, what a dynamic. How gotta live with. strange. I got a boyfriend father. I got a father father. I got a mother mother. And I got an aunt mother. But, like. <laughs> Everyone's equally. In- but, like, my. But, like, they're my- all eternally 17 years old. <laughs> and And, like, one of my aunts is, like, real intense about, like, pretending to be my mom. And everyone kind of just, like, lets it happen to an extent. Yeah. Because, like, she's got a lot of trauma about it. So they're just kind of letting her play this out. And my grandparents are in their early 20s. I mean, the grandparents are going to be the best part of her life. <laughs> she's got the best grandparents possible. Esme. And Carlisle. Like, best grandparents you could dream. possibly have. And, uh, I, I just... I imagine Esme being very similar to... 
your mom and your aunt Kathy. Yeah, and absolutely. And like all that like whimsical shit they would do with y'all. Absolutely. And that fairy stuff and yeah. like just lovely times. Yeah. I imagine her just putting a lot of investment in like her just making a lovely place for that child to grow up in. No, absolutely. Tearing up. I know. Did you? Are you what taking my beer? I just wanted to take a sipple. A sipple. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Is that what it's like for you? Got spurted on. Wow. I didn't like that. I don't think I like beer anymore. The delicious taste of ivermectin. <laughs> they they're now making an ivermectin um, hard seltzer. <laughs> Shut the. Fuck. It's true, babe. <laughs> Apple flavor. <laughs> You're so funny. Thank you. <clears throat> While treating Seth, Edward and Carlisle caught Bella up on everything that happened during her transformation. The feud with Sam's pack was over, and the truce was stronger than ever. The most absolute of all the pack's laws was that no wolf could ever kill another wolf's imprintee. Such an act, whether intended or accidental, could never be forgiven. <clears throat> Sam couldn't be upset about Bella's transformation either, since it was approved by Jacob, the rightful alpha. So, suck it, Sam. Yeah, man. Your entire plot from the first half of this book, useless. <laughs> it's already done. We've just written that off. <laughs> it did kind of feel like that. We got a new antagonist for I'm this part. I'm slightly bitter about that, I feel like. It is a little like all of that was just a backdrop for the transformation, which I forget. I can forgive to an extent. I, yeah. Whatever. I'm not too upset about it, but it is a bit. That's why I do like the movie adding at least there was a fight. There was some kind of climax to. Absolutely. At least you got some people punching wolves in their faces. Yeah. Releases some of that tension. Yeah. But there was another big problem to deal with. Daddy Swan. Fucking finally. They took been, her long enough. I, I know. They'd really been putting it off. <laughs> <laughs> They'd been feeding him the fake CDC story, but he was still calling the house multiple times a day. Understandably. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't know where his daughter is. Bella wanted to see him as she was and let him figure out things for himself. But her bright crimson eyes were still too scary to show even him. Can vampires wear contacts? Um, Can you wear colored contacts? Uh, the answer is yes. Oh. A wave of calm washed over Bella as Jasper came to check on her. She asked him if they really had to leave Forks, and he confirms that it was the only way to ensure that Daddy Swan was safe. But this created another problem. What would Jacob do if they left? As mad as she was at him, she didn't want to put him through something so painful. Rose and Jacob arrive with the baby, soon followed by Carlisle carrying an armful of supplies. Since she was growing so fast, they had to measure ravioli four times a day. Now, human, human eyes wouldn't have noticed, but Bella could tell that she had already grown within just the last hour. When they were done measuring, Bella picked up her daughter and once again got to share in her memories. This time, Bella saw herself leaping at Jacob on the front lawn and Seth jumping in to stop her. I mean, this kid is just already getting traumatized left and right. It's it's well, a little ridiculous. It, it is a lot. I'd be very worried if like my child was sharing these I mean, memories with she me. She is half a monster, so there is that. True. <laughs> 
in the scuffle, Rafiki's eyes never left Jacob. Bella could tell that she was protective or rather possessive of Jacob. He was hers just as much as she was his. Gross. <laughs> Bella glares at Jacob, but a tiny hand impatiently pats her on the face, kind of like Sybil. Oh, yeah. Bella saw more memories. Rose brushing her hair, Carlisle with his tape measure. She was catching Bella up on everything that she had missed throughout the day. That's sweet. Is, isn't there a part where, like, Edward is like, no, I know. Or Jake's like, see, I told you she likes me, too. Yeah, I think this is th- this this moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that was within here where oh. Jacob's like, yeah, I told you she, she likes me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just thought, I don't no, know. No, it's sweet. Something about that. No, I, I, I like uh, uh, Remy here. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I like that moment where... Uh, when they first meet and she first shares a memory with Bella and she shares her seeing Bella for the first time. Yeah. And just, and, and Edward's like, she's telling you that she, she's ma- making sure you know that she remembers you too. And she knows who you are. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. I know. God You're damn it. Don't make me like child. this thing. I know. The next memory made Bella's nose wrinkle. She could see a metal cup and the flash of burning in her throat Instantly, her baby was in Edward's arm, and Jasper had her hands behind her back. Edward saw that she had shared a memory of being thirsty, but quickly realized he'd overreacted. He tells Jasper to let Bella go and returns the baby to her. Jasper leaves the room in a huff, and a moment later, they watch as he darts off into the woods. Drama queen. So dramatic. Uh, Edward explains that he's just frustrated with how easily Bella has been able to control herself. For so long, he believed newborn madness to be natural and unavoidable. But now he was forced to wonder if he'd simply just failed to train them properly. Carlisle interjects, proposing that Bella's self-control was actually a special power. The possibilities rushed through Bella's mind. What if she didn't have to isolate herself for a year to grow up? She wouldn't ever have to kill someone. She could be good right away. She could even see Charlie. Charlie. (laughs) Carlisle tells them about a vampire he knew with similar powers to Bella. Shaban. Shaban. Siobhan. Siobhan. Yeah, I think it's like a V. Siobhan, his friend, an old friend of his from an Irish coven, who possessed a strange ability to manifest her goals, almost willing them into existence. Carlisle just needs its own book. Everything I mean, he says truly. is so interesting. It really is. I'm like, I want more of this. Yeah. Um, I've been on uh, Stephanie Meyer's website a few times looking up stuff about books mm-hmm. at the end once we finish them and go because she again shout out to her website she she she's put a lot of work into like giving everyone everything she has about the series yeah like, she's put yeah. all her old notes deleted scenes and stuff out there like i love that shit that's stuff that a lot of authors don't do and that's really cool of her but she also talks about like she doesn't go back to twilight a lot because everyone just gave her so much shit for it yeah where she kind of only does the the gender swap or like the reverse perspective the stuff like that she doesn't expand it more which i think is fine but i feel a little bad because she's like maybe when people stop giving me like stop using twilight as a synonym for like bad badly written story no i mean that's the whole point of this podcast is why that's a fallacy but i feel bad for her and I, i think like we may get something with carla or we could get stuff like that if 
if she wasn't like, everyone hates me. Yeah, no, I agree. So stop shitting on Stephanie Meyer so I can get more Carlisle in my life. <laughs> Thank you. Siobhan would call it more good planning than a special power, but she was able to do exceptionally difficult things like adding a new member to her coven when she wanted to. Edward, Carlisle, and Rose went to settle in chairs to continue the discussion while Bella tried to follow along, but she was still learning about her daughter's day. Remy played every minute for her, seeming to worry about Bella missing out, but the memories soon began to slow and go blurry. Bella looked down to find that her little nudger was now fast asleep. Which, that's really cute, where, like, the memories slow down, come out of focus. Yeah, I know, I love that part. Careful not to disturb her, Bella placed her baby's hand on her face. A flickering show of colors and shapes plays across Bella's mind, interspaced with familiar images of smiling faces and fluttering butterflies. Bella was watching her child dream, which, that's pretty dope. I would love to be able to see other people's dreams i, I want to see sybil's dreams oh my god dog. me too she's, i would love when to see she's that. when she's twitching her little paws yeah she's going after squirrels <laughs> through the window bella saw as the rest of the colon family returned from the woods a moment later they came into the room and alice excitedly presented bella with a brass key it's september 13th bella happy 19th birthday she's only 19 god damn i know well technically not because she stopped aging uh, right before her uh, 19th uh, birthday. Uh, but this is why I don't think uh, uh, reconnaissance. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, this is why reconnaissance's birthday is on 9-11. Because I think um, Stephanie Meyer wanted Bella to wake up on her actual birthday. I think Stephanie Meyer never wanted to forget. <laughs> okay. And you know what we're going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to take a break. All right. And we're back. Hey, y'all. That's right, guys. This episode, once again, brought to you by Ivermectin. <laughs> Stop. Hey is for horses, but this dewormer is for you. So now that we've discussed what's happened, let's get into our personal proclivities for the week, babe. Babe. Jessica, you, what's your favorite moment from this week's chapters? And how could those moments be enhanced by ivermectin? (laughs) You're reminding me of, like, some fucking Colin Mockery shit that he would do. Yeah. I just felt like this this Tapioca. (laughs) This bit really says either him or like ryan it's like one of the like the new right. segments oh no i know, you know what how you mean. they do those little bits my my greatest regret from past relationships is that my ex dumped me before we got to go to see whose line is it anyways live Fucking uh that she tragic. bought me tickets for for my birthday or something oh no but she dumped me before the show and i didn't want to ask about it oh it's a fucking bummer, dude. That is a fucking bummer. <laughs> I wanted to go to Because I also, I fucking went to, because I, I'd gotten her tickets to see Impractical Jokers live, and it was a shit show. Like, Damn. it sucked. I, it's just not my sense of humor. They're nice guys and all, or whatever. I don't know. I don't give a shit. But anyways, I, it just it was, a, it was not my comedy. It was very scripted. I didn't like it. But I was thinking, the, I literally was thinking at that show, I'm like, well, I'm going to see who's landing anyways at the same theater in like a month it'll be fine this is it's worth it fucking didn't fucking left me damn 
So my favorite one is actually <laughs> Bella jumping out of the window. Oh, interesting. I just thought it was like her first like thing that she does as a vampire. Yeah. Her and first, like, like real moment. Yeah, and she like doubts herself and then realizes that she did it excellently and in heels. I mean, she just fell out of a house. Yeah. Gracefully. Well, yeah, she's a vampire now. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, it was her, like, first moment really testing out her new uh, self. Vampire abilities, yeah. I like that. I agree. That's interesting, but I like yeah. that. Uh, mine was also kind of a small moment, but it was Carlisle almost calling uh, calling the baby Nessie in front of oh, Bella. Oh. Uh, because it, it also, like, implies that, like, everyone had been calling her Nessie, and that yeah. was, like, the name, and he had to remember that, like, Bella didn't like that. Yeah, well, like, stop. she made it very clear she yeah. didn't like that. He's like, so we got to measure Nessie. <laughs> Renesmee. Uh <laughs> Also, you mentioned it earlier, but my runner-up was every time Emmett laughs off-screen. Yes. Or laughs in the distance. It just makes something my heart happen- swell. <laughs> no, it's just, it was a great running gag where like something dumb happens, and then Bella's like, I could hear Emmett laughing <laughs> back at the house somewhere. Just It was great. It was funny. It is good. I mean, that's what he's there for. Exactly. So what was your favorite line? So it's so it's two lines, but it, it's a bag and forth. So it's it's Jacob t- <laughs> saying uh, when he first calls the baby Nessie, mm. and he's like, "Well, that name you came up with it's kind of a mouthful." <laughs> and then Bella cuts him off. It's like you nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness monster, which is great. I do love that scene. It's it's really comedic. Well, it's the best way to make use of that name. Well, and I also love that even at that point. Because we, we talked about uh, Steffi M's uh, note about the name after the fact. She's like, yeah, I fucking get it. Everyone hates it. Uh, <laughs> but even then, she's like, it is kind of a weird name. Yeah. She's like, I, it needed to be weird. It was a novel, a name in a book that it's, is not would never exist in real life. Exactly. Like, you know. Except some people did fucking name their children that. <sighs> so my favorite line. A bit of love for Eddie Boy. Ooh. I feel like we've been lacking I that. I think I know what you're talking about. He says, we could go back, he said solemnly, but there was a teasing light in his eye. Whoever it was out there, if they were men, they probably wouldn't even mind death if you were the one delivering it. His gaze ran over my ravished, or sorry, ravaged, yeah. His gaze ran over my ravaged dress again. In fact, they would think they were already dead and gone to heaven the moment they saw you. I like that note, too. That's when Bella's dress is all torn up. And yeah. And he had to give her his shirt. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> I agree. I had a similar uh, line that I also wanted to highlight. It was when Bella first tasted the the, the lion blood. Mm-hmm. And she describes it. Or, or she, this is before she tasted it. This is when she was smelling the elk. Ah, uh, yes. And she's like, it wasn't quite what she wanted, but at least it would be something hot and wet in my desiccated mouth. Damn. Which is just a, a lot going on in that. that there sentence. is. Um, There's a lot there. And I, and I don't think we need to lot. comment. That is a lot. <laughs> well, uh, now that we've established our faves, let's go take a leisurely walk down to our local manhole. Make sure you bring a lantern as we explore Spoiler. the lore. So, Spencer, tell me and all of us, yeah, what did you learn? And... What do you think's going to happen next? 
Oh, wow, babe. We got a lot we learned this week. There's a lot going on. So, first off, Bella kind of explains the vampire's vision is able to keep up with their scene. So, she was always like, how is Edward not constantly running into trees? Yeah. He's running so fast. Well, they can just see him. It's not that hard. Uh, It'd it'd be like that. It'd just be like that. And also, meat eaters apparently smell more like humans than carnivores for some reason, which doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either, but... Whatever. Since we're literally omnivores, so it should be equal, but whatever. <laughs> but in that same note, Jacob, as we mentioned, you know, being a wolf smells more like an animal than a human, which is why the vampires aren't into that. Yeah. And he probably smells like a fucked up animal, too. Like yeah, a weird, like not a pleasant thing. smell. Yeah. And we also learn about how, which kind of makes sense, but the ultimate sin for a werewolf is to kill another wolf's imprintee because not only is that just fucked up to do but the devastation of that shared collective consciousness that they have yeah would literally be insufferable and you could not do that like no one could live with that yeah even if it was on accident like imagine sharing people's grief like that like it'd be impossible to deal with Mm -hmm. And, and jake says like that that's like happened before yeah an accident and yeah. and it's it's a fight to the death you, yeah you no gotta, matter what yeah they gotta fight also uh steffi m refuses to use the word imprintee for some reason she does a lot of work to get around that i don't think she likes that well it's probably because it's not a word yeah but they never stop shakespeare he but, just made his own words but this way it sounds almost like they're a victim are they a victim of fate, perhaps? Save it for the road to pretension, babe. Okay. <laughs> Easy there, tiger. Getting all philosophical on me. <laughs> More wolf knowledge. Uh, alphas from different packs conveniently can still speak to each other in wolf form. Yes. That works out for them. Yeah, except there's a little caveat. Well, though. but so instead of it being like just an un- unfiltered you know, connection to each other's minds, they can only hear what the other person wants them to, which is just way better, way better system. Uh, Basically, they can just text each other whatever, essentially. Hell yeah. That is much preferred. I can't wait till Google installs that in my brain. (laughs) Uh, Siobhan? Siobhan. An old friend of Carlisle's, uh, as we talked about, has a will, has the ability to will her goals into a reality. Which is a cool ability because I'd be like, I am going to be rich right it seems like a bit of a catch-all seems yeah. like you could really just do whatever you want with or that. say i am going to do the dishes when i get home today and then actually do them uh, babe do something I'm realistic. About myself. yeah no that's what i'm saying keep it realistic <laughs> something might actually happen but thinking of the british isles where Chauvin is from Chauvin. Would vampires enjoy a nice blood sausage mm. or even a blood pudding? Mm. Or, on you know, on this train of thought, a blood auger, you know, that we grow bacteria on? That's interesting. So I'm going to guess no, just because they don't, like, eat food. Like, well, because it's cooked, stomachs. so I've imagined it's, yeah. But I'm curious in, like, a Discovery of Witches universe. That's what I was going to get at, yeah. That, they they do, would probably love that. Like... Mix the wine yeah. with blood. Yeah, exactly. So, interesting. Exactly what I was thinking. That world, that would be a much more interesting combo. And I like that version. Man, you know, that's the annoying thing with Discovery Witches is I love the world building. Yeah. The plot is just so frustrating. It's a little convoluted. A little bit. But 
what's also convoluted is Bella's powers appear to be some form of just self-control, which I thought was Carlisle's ability. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. So me, no, no. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> but uh, also a little one that Bella kind of notes about, which kind of goes on for a while. It's a weird little tangent Bella goes on. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the last chapter where she talks about, and that's why I included it, because she talks about it for so long, but kind of like uh, blinking. Vampires don't have to sit or like kind of adjust their bodies or like shift their weight like yeah. humans do. They can kind of just stand forever, but they still do. Or like Bella notices that the colons all do. They all yeah. cross their legs and stuff probably out of habit or right either... trying to keep up the human facade right which is interesting but it goes on for like four paragraphs bella it, talking about this idea it is very detailed. it's very weird I was, I was like why are we doing this so and then getting to the baby of it all we learned a lot about remdesivir yeah remy so she has a heartbeat but it is a little faster than a normal human's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she does sleep unlike vampires but like vampires she has the tough skin the impenetrable skin, but that skin is warm, but exceptionally warm like Jacob's. There's yeah. a real mixed bag here going on. Mm-hmm. She can drink formula, I believe. Yeah. That's what they're implying, but she doesn't like it. She don't like new. No. But it's not clear if it's she doesn't like it in the way that like it tastes like literal dirt, like, like Edward said with the pizza, or if she could just be fine with being on baby formula, but it, she'd rather have blood. I think it's the latter. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. Where she, it's more even because it yeah. makes sense because she's half human, so she could. Well, I mean, they allude that like baby formula smells fucking terrible, right? Like, and they, but like, like I the, don't blame her. But like the colons can eat food, you know, heavy quotes, but it just you know doesn't do anything, right? No, I think she is nourished by food. Right. She just likes blood. Okay, that that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. And then of course her special ability is she can touch someone and share her memories, which, as Carlisle notes, is kind of an inverse of Edward's power to kind of read people's thoughts, right. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Which will play into my predictions, which we're getting into. So first off, what's to come? What's going to happen? First off, I think Bella will have a second power reveal. Oh. One that's a little more tangible, like Edward or Alice's, and I think it's going to have something to do with her immunity to other powers. Okay. But I think they're going to get a little more specific with it. Okay. And it'll be another reveal. I'm like, oh, that's your power. or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. And then, and I think, just as the baby kind of has Edward's ability, but, you know, a little different, I think, I think it will be able to control its vampire urges but more of an on and off switch kind of way, kind of like to talk about before. Like it can turn in being a vampire on and off like a werewolf. Okay. Like Bella is. She'll take that from Bella. Okay. Or, but she'll have an even greater control over her vampirism. Huh. And then I think Bella's eyes are going to turn golden really quickly. Okay. Could be easy for her. Like every, you know, like, because maintaining her self-control, her humanity is kind of her thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in like a week, she's going to have golden eyes, something okay. like that, you know. But, and I think that will trigger her to go talk to Daddy Swan. Mm. And I think that reveal will trigger the Volturi noticing them again and coming wow. in and being like. You're setting up the whole plot uh, Basically, here. I'm just going to write it at this <laughs> okay. point. all right. And then a little more specific, a little less broad is, uh, 
I th- the Alice gives Bella the key. I think she they got Alice or they got Bella and Edward their own house like nearby. Okay. And then they can stay there. Okay. And I'm hoping that that house includes a guest slash dog house <laughs> for Jacob. I love that. Thank you. Because <laughs> these are great predictions. Thank you. I, I like them. Now that we know what's happened, now that we know what's going to happen later, let's dig a little deeper. Let's do that. Oh, no. What was that? That was an elk on the highway. <laughs> That's right, y'all. It's time to take a journey down the road of pretension where we take a classic piece of literature, babe. And I mean classic. And we mean classic. And see how it compares to this week's chapters. And this week, we are doing a piece of literature. Because we're getting and we're getting into the spooky spirit, babe. Spooky. As we cover one of the greatest and most influential pieces of gothic horror ever created. So screw in your neck bolts tight and come to grips with your inner god complex as we take a dive into Frankenstein. Hell yeah. By Mary Shelley. Oh, My main bitch. It's about time we covered this book, isn't it, baby? It really is. I'm surprised we haven't covered it sooner. Me too, because we had a bit of a crisis today where we, we thought I, we'd already covered it in a previous episode, and I had done lots of work. <laughs> Frankenstein or its severely underappreciated alternative name, the modern Prometheus. I do like the modern it's Prometheus. It's so good. It is good. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been like a modern remake of Frankenstein where they just called it the modern pre- Prometheus. Well, but... maybe you should do it, babe. Whoa, maybe I should do it. It's the story of one Dr. Victor Frankenstein, who, after the tragic death of his mother to Scarlet Fever, to Scarlet Fever, tirelessly devotes his life to the study of natural philosophy. His studies lead him to discover what he believes to be the secret to life. Mind filled with ideas of, of a new and noble race, Victor sets his work imparting life into a long into long dead matter. But upon animating his creature, Victor is so horrified as w- at what he has created, he quickly abandons it. Months later, Victor is informed that his brother has been murdered. He suspects that the monster is to blame, but fears no one will believe him. So he remains silent, even when an adopted member of his family is blamed and executed for the crime. Damn, I forgot about that bit. Oh yeah, it's bad. Like all entitled dickheads, Victor deals with his guilt by going on vacation. While hiking in the mountains, Victor is confronted by the monster, who tells him about the endless suffering he has endured since Victor abandoned him. But despite being left to die, the monster has managed to educate himself, even learning how to read and write. His favorite book being Paradise Lost. Interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically resonant, isn't it? Blaming humanity's cruelty for his pain and loneliness, the monster demands that Victor make him a female monster to live with. Victor begins to carry out the monster's wishes, but changes his mind halfway through and destroys the female creature. The monster is heartbroken, but does not attack Victor. Instead, he vows to one day have revenge on his creator, very pointedly telling him he will see him again on his wedding day, which notably does not change any of Victor's actions going forward. 
Back home in Geneva, Victor marries Elizabeth, his childhood friend, an adopted member of his family, maybe his cousin. His, it's a whole weird thing. He has a wealthy yeah. family. That's a thing for adopted people. It's hard to tell how related they are, but, <laughs> you know, rich people are going to be fucked up. Yeah. On his wedding day, the monster returns and murders Elizabeth. Who could have seen it coming? Which also causes Victor's father to die of grief soon after. Now, as alone as the creature he created, but still rich, Victor dedicates the rest of his life to hunting down his monstrous spawn. Victor tracks the monster all the way to the Arctic Sea, but becomes trapped on a piece of breaking ice until he is rescued by a passing ship. Victor tells his story to Walter, the ship's captain, before dying of uh, probably pneumonia or, you know, being cold Some or whatever. Other ailment. You know, he was trapped on ice. It's not good for you. Walter later discovers the monster mourning over Victor's body. His quest for revenge having brought him no peace, the monster solemnly tells Walter that he vows to kill himself. Damn. Isn't that a fun story? Yeah. So fun for Halloween. So fun and spooky. Now, one can't discuss Frankenstein or Mary Shelley without at least mentioning the famous bet which inspired the whole story. Yes. While on vacation with her husband and some friends, notably famous author and socialite Lord Byron, the group found themselves trapped inside inside a house during a particularly nasty summer storm. To help pass the time, Byron proposed a contest to see who could write the best scary story. After days of anxiously worrying about coming up with a good idea... Mary Shelley goes to sleep after hearing a discussion between Byron and her husband about recent experiments involving reanimating limbs with electricity. Mm. That night, Mary had a nightmare involving a faceless medical student constructing a hideous creature and bringing it to life. And thus, Frankenstein was born. It's alive! I do want to point out that this story is also meaningful in another way because wasn't it Lord Byron who inspired Dracula? It was Lord Byron's doctor who wrote a different story that inspired Dracula. But you are right. So so there's like from, a connection there. Yes. So from this one night, this like little bet people made, we got both Dracula, the modern understanding of all vampires. Yeah. The, what, what, including Twilight. Sexy vampires. Se- basically sexy, cool vampires. Yeah. As we understand it today, and Frankenstein came out of this one night. Yeah. Wild. Incredible. Incredible. To be a fly on the wall. To be to be a, a, a cyst on a butt <laughs> in a chair in that room. So Frankenstein is most remembered as as the seminal piece of gothic literature and the inspiration to countless horror movies and stories. And why, while it is undoubtedly a horror story, the horror lies not within the monster, but in the world which creates it. See, Frankenstein came out during the capital R Romantic Movement, which was an artistic reaction to the Industrial Revolution. Romantic works emphasized emotions and the aesthetic beauty of nature as a sort of antidote to the soulless, dehumanizing world of factories and assembly lines. Thank God we don't have to deal with that anymore. Am I right? But it also pushed back against the cold, self-assured scientific beliefs of the Enlightenment movement. And through this lens, one can and 
many do, interpret Frankenstein as a critique of, you know, modern scientific thinking, displaying the grotesque, inevitable end result of man's hubris and unchecked ambition. And while Victor's ambition and god-tier ego definitely bring him to create something monstrous, that event is far from inevitable. Throughout the story, Frankenstein's monster is shown to be as much of a product of his upbringing as he is of science. The monster learns to read and write and even philosophize on the nature of man, all on his own. And one wonders what he could have achieved if Victor had not been so quick to abandon him. Well, I think we can see a version of that reality in this week's chapters. Like in Frankenstein, the Twilight Saga often questions the morality of creating unnatural life. Despite almost all of the main characters of the story being vampires, the books repeatedly show a reluctance to embrace the process of transformation for its primary protagonist, Bella. Meyer clearly believes creating life is not something to be taken lightly, but as we see in this week's chapters, Bella's transformation is ultimately successful. It works out fine for her. For everybody. For everybody, exactly. For her baby, for the rest of the family, for Jacob even. So if both stories hold the same reverence for the sanctity of life, then why does Bella's ascension to a godlike being succeed while Victor's ends in tragedy? Well, I think the answer lies in the cost of ambition and how that price is paid. You see, in Twilight, it takes three and a half books to build up to Bella's transformation. So when it does finally happen, both the characters and the audience understand the gravity of the situation. The process is also incredibly painful and dangerous, with no shortcuts. Not even sweet, sweet morphine can dampen the pain. Bella must pay the price of admission up front and in full. Now contrast this with Victor's experiments, which the book kind of just yada yada is over. And the process for Victor costs him nothing, at least initially. And he's able to quickly abandon his creation when things don't go the way he wants or hopes. Typical man. Typical man. So portraying the experiment so flippantly signals to the audience that Victor is taking shortcuts and hasn't paid the, paid the proper price for his ambition. So when his tragic downfall eventually comes, it feels somewhat justified, or at least understandable. Mm -hmm. And more than Victor Frankenstein or his monster, the real villain of Frankenstein is loneliness. The despair Victor felt after the loss of his mother led him to create his monster, and who, then who he then abandons to suffer the same fate. Neither are without redeemable or even admirable qualities, but when Frankenstein and his monster are removed from society, they lose their humanity. But unlike most of their kind, the Collins choose to live as a family, to protect and comfort one another, despite being monsters themselves. And it is no coincidence that Carlyle, the only good character to create multiple vampires in this story, is also the kindest and most caring character in the story. He was reborn in darkness, alone in an agony, much like Frankenstein's monster. But he understood the pain of loneliness better than anyone, and that is why he was able to succeed at creating life when Victor was unable to. 
because he knew what a life was worth. And I honestly could do like three more episodes on Frankenstein. Oh, I'm sure. It's such a great story, but I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> okay. And just that I idea. I really like that. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad. It's a little short, eh. but, you know, I don't think people want me to drone on too much longer. <laughs> We did, but it's a really good book. I recommend everyone read it. Uh, yeah, so I also I might recommend even do it. that. It's yeah. a pretty good book. I might do it on another episode because there's so much to cover with that. Yeah, and I it. literally had so much more written <laughs> that I was like, I can't go there. <laughs> but I think that's enough for me. Jess, why don't you take us off this road of pretension and tell us some stuff we just don't know. Yeah, well, I will do that. All right. I do want to start off with a trigger warning for like sexual assault that happens here. Okay. Good to know. Uh, in this week's chapters, we get to hear a little bit about another coven um, we that we did not know previously existed, um, and that's the Irish coven. Oh, the the vampire coven. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So the Irish coven is made up of Liam, Siobhan, and Maggie. Um, today, though, I'm only going to focus on Siobhan um, as she's the leader of the coven and also has an interesting backstory also shout out to the ira no hmm no siobhan was born around 1490 in ireland and was an only daughter to a blacksmith and his wife her face was very attractive she had large violet blue eyes long lashes thick black hair and perfect fair skin um, aside from these these features though she did stand out among the beauties in her village at the age of 14 she was taller than any woman uh, in the village Hot. and by age 16 she was taller than all the men in her village besides her dad i'm into it because she was an only child, she often helped her dad out at the forge. Unfortunately, though, he died when she was 17. But because she knew enough, she took over his work and became known around town as the big blacksmith girl. <laughs> Creative nickname. Meyer's words, not mine. <laughs> So nowadays, you did write them the script. I you, I'm glad you realized how bad that name was. Yes, that descriptor was. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, having a big, strong, and wealthy girl is what a lot of people would like. <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, back in her day, she was pretty intimidating to all the village boys. She's kind of like the Brianna Tarth of her time. Exactly. Yes. Um, so. Boy, what an ending. <sighs> Let's let's you know let's take some time to talk about the Game of Thrones let's ending. Not, but I do like the Brienne of Tarth reference. Um, now she didn't have any suitors, but Siobhan didn't really mind as she had no need for a husband. Really, she's out getting money. She's smithing her own black. Yeah. Now a word got around about this gorgeous, strong, big girl from a rando village uh, in Ireland, and a vampire. And a vampire called Sankar, I think is how you pronounce it, um, heard about her. Now. I feel like uh, one of Stephanie Meyer's brothers came up with that name. Perhaps. Uh, Sandcar. Car. Sandcar. It's S-A-N-C-A-R. Fair enough. I don't know. But uh, Sankar was a vampire of Turkish descent who was aiming to create a harem of vampires. Nice. Um. So he, he sought after unusual women to keep in his collection. Gag me. 
so cool he, guy. He really take, cool guy. He hears about her. He takes her in the middle of the night, rapes her, bites her, then carries her back to his home. Uh, but this man chose the wrong bitch because she was very difficult to handle. He didn't see this giant woman and thought, if I turned her into a vampire, that may be a bad idea for me. <laughs> she was very strong, even yeah. for a newborn. Yeah. And newborns are I, strong. I bet. <laughs> Could have told him that would happen. Um, and she didn't fucking like him either. She's basically Emmett, right? Yes. Uh <laughs> And, like, of course she fucking hates him. And so he tried to keep her distracted with blood, but by the end of her first year as a vampire, she'd killed him. Cause, good. Yeah. Because why not? Exactly. Fuck this guy. Um, unfortunately, though, remember, this guy has a harem. Uh, so she also had to kill three other women from his harem that were Aww. loyal to him. Uh, the other four, though, didn't give a shit, though. They were like, great, cool. uh, we're going to go fuck off now. Yeah. So they all like went their separate ways. Back to my tatoes. <laughs> Stop. He's a Turkish. They're, they're, they're not in Ireland anymore. He took the famine? from Ireland oh. to his harem. <laughs> so gross. I it's hate. awful. Um, okay, so he's dead. Everyone leaves. Uh, Everyone's happy. Then Siobhan spent uh, much of her first century uh, being a nomad around Europe and Asia and would visit Ireland here and there. Um, and then on, on one such trip, she meets a newborn named Liam. Um, mm. She found herself quite attracted to him, noticing his fierceness and his focus. Um, How tall is Liam? I don't know. I imagine he's like 5'4". <laughs> I love to see it. It's like crawling up her leg. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, so they meet and he's a newborn and she knows that he doesn't really know anything. And so she's like, yeah, come come with me. She, ta she takes him under his, her wing. Let me rock your world, little man. Yeah. And so it's just them for a little bit. Uh, and then eventually they come across a young girl named Maggie. But... I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that there. Oh, a for little now. tease. Um, and I might come back in another episode and tell you about everything else. Little tease, if you please. A little teaser. All right. So that's it for me. Oh, that's great! I love that. Thank you. Awesome, babe. I love that one. Very cool. Yeah, we got a lot of info in these chapters. I know it was a lot, but we hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, if you guys. did, you know, you can uh, let us know. You can mm -hmm. like us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, uh, twilightpod.com. Um, also, if you have a question or just want to say hi, you can message us at twilightpod at gmail.com. Yeah, that's right. And you guys, you know, if you leave us a five-star rating, that really helps us out. We love that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you don't want to, uh, I hate you. But also, our intro song is by my friend Alex Chavez, and you can check out more of his music on his Facebook page, Vintage Attire Music. And as always, guys, Frankenstein was just as much about the Industrial Revolution as it was about science and galvanism itself, you know? So that's, you know, just something to think about. And you know what? Don't suck, either. And also, remember to try ivermectin. God damn it. Because you can't catch COVID if you're fucking dead. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
They gave me so much money, babe. I know it's a bad, like, I know you shouldn't take it. <laughs> they gave me so much money. Make sure we don't record this. Because they gave me so much money, babe. They gave me so much money to tell people to take horse dewormer. I don't know why they gave it to this podcast. They gave me so much, they gave me so much fucking.